Good morning, everyone. Good to see all of you guys. Um, before we start, I'm going to be doing the announcements. So um, on Friday next week, we're showing a movie here called The Jesus Revolution. Anybody here? Jesus? Yeah? Anybody watch it? A lot of you watched it. Well, come again and watch it again and also bring a neighbor. Bring who? Oh, bring your unsaved friends. And bring, yeah, invite whoever and, and come and have a good time. The movie starts at 7, I thought. 6.30? Okay, so 6.30, doors, thank you. 6.30, doors open, movie starts at 7. All right, so pop quiz. What day is the movie? Friday. At what time? Praise the Lord. Sunday. Because people... I, just, I say that because people give the announcements all the time and then they're like, we didn't hear that. We announced it. Maybe we weren't listening. So uh, bap- baptism as well on that following Sunday, uh, July 2nd, right? So those of, I think they're gonna, we're going to do an altar call after the movie if you want to give your life to Jesus Christ. Um, but also following Sunday, we can also get baptized, those who have uh, given your life to him. Um, I don't think I got to mention that. Um, let's see. Okay. All right. That's, that's good. There'll be lunch there. She should be doing the announcements. Gosh. <laughs> she should be the one. All right. Thank you. Um, there will be lunch at the baptism. So uh, bring your families. Bring everybody here. Yeah? Yeah. Anini Beach. Bring everybody. What time? 12 p.m. Yeah. Okay, after church. Okay, so right after church, go to Anini. All right, I'm going to get through this. Um, also, okay, so the mo- there you go. Free popcorn, free candy, free snacks. We're good? Are we good? Okay, we're good. Um, and also for assigned greeters and ushers, whoever's ushering and greeting uh, we need coverage next week, so um, if you could please uh, see Bill or Heather. Uh, we need some volunteers because there is nobody covered for next week. Amen? Sign-ups are in the lobby. Yes. Oh, not, not for the movie. For, for, I'm talking about for Sunday service. Yeah, Friday covered, Sunday service. I got that one. All right. Good morning. I love all of you. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 14, verse 22 to 36. Matthew chapter 14. If you don't have a Bible, there are Bibles on the side. And if you don't, uh, please just raise your hand. You can take one of those home with you. Those are for you. Um, so, before I start, our pastor, Pastor Steve, had to leave in a hurry uh, this week to see his son in the mainland. Um, if you guys didn't know, now you know. Um, he had some medical issues, um, but praise God that everything went well. I don't think I'm going to go into detail, but praise the Lord. Everything went well, and so I want to say thank you for all of you who are praying 
for him. And, and so actually he is there um, in support of that. Pastor Steve left. He is in support of that. And ultimately, really just to be with him. Right? Like there is nothing more comforting than having the people you love with you in those harder seasons, right? And so I have the honor and the privilege to share the word of God with you this morning. Um, I'm going to start off by reading the text, and so you know that, so you know where we're going to land. So we're going to start in verse, thank you for the water, verse 22. It says this, immediately, I'm reading out of the NASB, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side. It says, while he sent the crowds away, verse 23, after he had sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. But the boat was already a long distance from the land, battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. Verse 26, when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became frightened. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and took a hold of him and said to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind stopped, and those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, you are certainly God's son. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for who you are, Lord. We are here in expectation, readily, ready to receive, Lord, your word and what you have for us this morning. Your children are listening. And so, Father, by your spirit, I pray that you would speak to us in a very unique and powerful way. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And so if you haven't been here on Wednesday nights, which I know you haven't been, but that's okay, I'm going to catch you up. We've been going through the gospel chronologically, and because it's chronological, it really has us kind of flipping through all four accounts of Jesus' ministry. Some of the writers will tell stories and teachings that other writers left out, but for the most part, they are in unison because the Bible tells one story, God's story. Amen? But before we start, I want to give us some context as to what's going on. See, a few moments before this, Jesus sent out his disciples in twos. It says that he gave them authority, all authority, and power to do everything that he was doing. So they were the literal hands and feet of Jesus, which was healing the sick. They did that. Which was casting out of demons. They did that. And they got to cover a lot of ground because they were sent out around Galilee. But most importantly on this mission is he told them to preach that men 
should repent. Right? That if anything was important, he preached, he said that, preach that men should repent. Like, this is Jesus. If any of you are tired, any of you, if any of you are tired or heavy laden, Jesus has come to me. He said, come to me. Believe in me. You want life? You want it abundantly? Well, then come this way. Follow after me. And as his disciples finished what they were commissioned to do, it says that they met with Jesus again and reported to him all that went down. Now, it doesn't say what they talked about, but most likely the mission was a success, granting Jesus is the one who gave them the authority and power. But the story doesn't stop. There's no break. It actually continues on. You see, with his disciples physically weary and physically tired from this long journey, and I don't know about you, but I know how I get when I'm tired and hungry. That's just me. But I know how I get when I'm tired and hungry. It says that massive crowds started to gather from the cities to meet with who? To meet with Jesus. And with them not being able to rest or even eat. That's what it says. Not being able to rest or even eat. It says this, Jesus felt compassion for them. For the crowd. It says that Jesus felt compassion for them. Why? Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. You want to know what the heart of God is? This is the heart of God. Gosh, this is God's heart towards you. This is it. Like, check this out. There is never going to be a day where he's too busy for you. Like, that's crazy. Like, he's not only available on Sundays. No, he's like, he's available every day. He's available every day to meet with you. Like, Pastor Steve just gave a message about the prodigal son. What was the father doing? Waiting. He was waiting. Every day. There wasn't a day where he wasn't waiting for his son. And what about this one? Hard to believe, but he never gets tired of you. <laughs> he never gets tired of you. People might get tired of you, but he never gets tired of you. Gosh, he knows everything about me. He knows all of my failures. He knows all of my shortcomings and still makes his way towards me. He doesn't see me and say, oh my gosh, I didn't know about this, David. <sighs> I didn't know about this one. Like, I don't ever take him by surprise. Check this out. He knew what he bought before he bought it. He knew what he bought before he bought it. He knows everything about me and yet moves towards my brokenness. He knows everything about me and moves towards my failures. This is why we can rest in the fact that Christianity, right, our Christianity is not based on my performance or my commitment because if it was, then this thing is over. Why? Because I'm inconsistent. This is entirely based on Jesus' commitment towards me. He's the good shepherd. He lays me down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. This is who he is, the shepherd of my soul, the shepherd of your soul. 
the one who knows me and loves me deeply, never hides his face from me, but always makes his way towards me. Pastor Steve just quoted James 4 last week. It says, draw near to him and he will draw near to you. He's right when he said that we make the first move. Why? Because God didn't go anywhere. He doesn't go anywhere. And so what this is saying is we're either pressing into Jesus or we're not. We're either receiving him or we're not. We're either spending time with him or we're not. And it says, until evening, he taught them many things and even healed their sick. Now, I think most of us who are raised in the church, that's cute, who, are mo- who was raised in the church knows about this next miracle. It's where Jesus fed the 5,000. Anybody? Right? Everybody knows this one. Jesus fed the 5,000, and that's just men, not including women and children. And on Wednesday, Josh Beal did a great, excellent job teaching on this section. If you would like to hear that, we actually have a podcast called Surfing the Word, so you can go online and listen to older messages um, and catch yourself up to speed. And so the way this miracle plays out is Jesus feeds the crowd, and he didn't just feed them, right? It says he fed them, fed them, right? Like, in, like verse 20 says they, were, they all ate and were satisfied. This means full, really full. Like, I'm going to take a nap full. That's conjecture. The Bible doesn't say that. And it says, his disciples picked up what was left over of the broken pieces, which came out to 12 full baskets. And now, verse 22 says this. Immediately, it says, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him while he sent the crowds away. The question is, why would Jesus send his disciples away in such a hurry? Like, everything is going great. People are happy. Ministry seems successful. Well, John gives us some context as to why. It says this in John 6, 15, that Jesus perceived that the crowd that he just fed were going to take him by force to make him king. Why? The Jews believed in a conquering Messiah who would overthrow their enemies. Gosh, this guy looks like the one Moses was talking about. That's what they're thinking. Like he just fed us. That's kind of what Moses did in the wilderness. Yes, but before I begin my physical rule and reign here on earth, which we know is coming, praise God, that's coming. Before that starts, it's going to start with you. It's going to begin with you. See, Rome isn't the problem. You're the problem. You're not the problem. Not you guys. To the crowd. Rome isn't the problem. You're the problem. I came to save you. I came to save you from you. This is where my kingdom is going to begin. It's going to begin inside of you. See, I didn't come here the first time to sit on a physical throne just the one in your heart. And the reason why Jesus sent his disciples away was because of this very thing. They wanted to take Jesus by force to make him king for their own agenda and reasons. Gosh, there is 
nothing more dangerous, listen to me, there is nothing more dangerous than to exalt Jesus in your life so that he can follow you. Let me say that one more time. There is nothing more dangerous than to exalt Jesus in your life so that he can follow you. See, it doesn't work that way. To be a follower of Jesus means to be a follower of Jesus. Like, I don't know, I don't think you can, I don't care how thin you slice it. To follow Jesus means to follow Jesus. It's not, I'm going to follow Jesus, but still do what I want. Like, it's not, I'm going to follow Jesus, and I know what's best for my life. Like, that's the whole reason why he died for you, so that you wouldn't continue doing whatever you wanted to do. I love Tim Keller, and I say this all the time. I don't agree with some of his stuff, but I love his gospel-centered messages, but I say this all the time. He said this quote. He says this, if your God never disagrees with you, you might be worshiping an idealized version of yourself. And so when the Bible talks about God's love for you, that God loves you so much, he's not going to leave you the way you are. It would be unloving to let me continue down a path that will ultimately destroy me, right? Like, that's practical. Here's an example. If you'd seen something in my life that will ultimately hurt me and the people around me, wouldn't you tell me? Gosh, if you really loved me, you would tell me. It would be unloving. It would actually be wicked for you to not tell me. And so when the Bible says that he fashioned me, he formed me, it's saying that he knows me better than I know me. And so it's not just dealing with drug addiction and even now are people struggling with same-sex attraction. No, he's trying to conform every area of my life into the image of Jesus Christ. Why? Because it's God and God alone who knows what's best for my soul, even if I don't agree. He knows what's best for me. He knows what's best for you. And so what is Jesus doing here? He sends his disciples away to protect them. He sends them away to protect them from what? The influence of the crowd. Because he knows how easy it is to fall in with the majority. This is what's happening today. Do not be deceived. We're just going to hit a few verses and summarize uh, the rest this morning. And so it says this in verse 23. After he had sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. And so Jesus sends his disciples off, dodges the will of what the crowd wanted, and he begins to pray to the Father. See, we see this example of Jesus all throughout the gospel. He would often go away by himself to pray, to spend time with the Father. And I'm sure this wasn't something he did only once or twice, but many times. How do we know this? Because what did the disciples ask him? They asked him, Rabbi, teach us how to pray, right? It wasn't teach us how to perform miracles. It wasn't teach us how to raise the dead. What they probably seen Jesus do the most was go off by himself and spend time in prayer to the Father. And so I thank God 
for my wife. Like, I have a prayerful wife. Like, she prays nonstop for me, for people. She's probably praying for me right now to talk slower. Uh, and so when Jesus goes off and prays to the Father, it, it really should show us really two things here. First thing is this, is that the gospel is relational. Let's remember that. The gospel is relational. This is what we've seen between Jesus and the Father, is that his relationship with the Father is the most important thing. Although there's ministry and people to meet, nothing was more important than meeting with his Father. Amen? Second thing is this, when Jesus said, your kingdom come, your will be done, this means that prayer always seeks out God's will over mine's, right? So we petition, we ask, but ultimately it's let your will be done in my life. This is how Jesus keeps me close so that whatever happens next in life, whatever season I'm about to face, I know that this is just part of it. Whatever season I'm about to face, whatever is going to happen next in my life, whatever next chapter you're about to go through, I know that this is just part of it. I'm going to take a different approach, and I say this because storms, storms, are going to come, whether you follow Jesus or not. Let me say that again. Storms are going to come whether you follow Jesus or not. When it rains, it falls on everyone. And I'd be a lying pastor to tell you that if you accept Christ today, everything is going to be okay. That's not true. No, it is my job to tell you that the storms are coming, but you are not alone. That's biblical. It's my job to tell you that there will be extreme highs and really gut-wrenching lows. But God is with you. David didn't say, I won't ever walk through. He said, when I walk through. When I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that whatever hardship comes my way, I am comforted. Why? Because you are with me. I am comforted because you haven't abandoned me. What is worse than being stuck in a storm out at sea is going through it alone. It's going through it alone. He says this in verse 27, I'm here. Take courage. That's my job, to tell you to be bold, take courage, stand. It's me. Do not be afraid. And don't get me wrong, some storms happen because of my foolishness, like Jonah, out of the will of God. I think it's like, it's better to be in his will than his whale, or something like that. <laughs> some storms happen, I'm sorry, some storms happen because of my foolishness, but other times... There are just those harder seasons, isn't there? Hard ones. And I think this message can sometimes come off as arrogant for me on the pulpit if I tell you why you're going through what you're going through. 
or you've gone through or why you've gone through what you've gone through because I don't know what you went through. I have no idea what you went through. But I can tell you this. Nothing is wasted. Nothing is wasted. I love that Jesus told his disciples to gather the rest of the food into the boat. Now, people have a lot of different interpretations for this, but I'm going to take a stab at it. Jesus doesn't waste anything. Neither does he waste anything in your life. Every hardship, every trial, every, t- every tear, God uses it for his glory. That's redemption. Nothing is wasted. So when me and my wife, when my wife and I were pregnant, mostly my wife, <laughs> we lost our twins. Um, I, it's weird that I, I landed here on this message, and th- now I'm preaching this Again, it's weird that I landed here, but um, it was on the same passage, but uh, we lost our twins um, due to complications. Gosh, we were so close. Like, it was so close. It, it was very hard and very trying. But the reality is, this is the reality. We weren't alone. Gosh, there was so much other people who went through the same sort of loss. And it's because of your support And it's because of your honesty, it became that much easier to go through what we had to go through. And I say this to encourage you, whatever you've gone through or might be going through, nothing is wasted. Amen? And we have one on the way right now, so, yeah. (laughs) We're not going to, that's what's amazing. Austin, where am I at? 20? I was going to keep it 20. Um, Well, I'm going to have Pastor Eric come up, but um, I'm going to finish up here. And so we really know the rest of the story. They've been rowing for hours. That's what it says. They've been rowing. These are expert fishermen. They've been rowing for hours in the middle of the night, trying as hard as they can to get through the storm. And what does Jesus do? Gosh, Jesus makes his way towards them, doesn't he? He makes his way towards them. Peter asks, if you are who you say you are, If you are who you say you are, let me come on the water with you. Jesus says, come on. Come. And we all love to throw some shade on Peter because he took his eyes off of Jesus. But the reality is, that's why he started to sink. You want to know what God wants most from you? You. You want to know what God wants most from you? Is you. It's not your time. It's not just your time. It's not your money. It's not your sacrifices. He doesn't need those things. What God wants most from you is you. All of you. And if the storms of life are going to hit the believer and the unbeliever, what sets you and I apart from this world, what's going to get you through these harder seasons is your faith in Jesus and not in the boat. It's your faith in Jesus and not in those paddles. You see where I'm coming? It's your faith in Jesus and not in your finances. It's your faith in Jesus and not in your health. It's your faith in Jesus and not in your relationships. People cannot save you. Like, I'm going to let you down. You're going to let me down. 
Money makes a terrible God and gives us a false sense of security. That's what he said in Matthew 6. And at any moment, gosh, I could feel some kind of pain. At any moment. And if my hope is in any of these things down here, it won't last. It wasn't meant to. Nothing in this world can bring you comfort and security than the one who made it. And what God wants most from you is you, so that when the storms come, and they will, fair warning, your faith isn't found in these inconsistent things. None of these things will save you. But it is found in the only consistent person in your life, the one who never abandoned you when you felt alone. The one who waits for you day and night to spend time with you. The one who never gets tired of you. Hard to believe that, right? The one who never gets tired of you when other people do. The one who knows everything about you. He is so committed to guarding and guiding your soul. He's the only one that's going to get you to the other side. That's the promise. Continue to keep your eyes on Jesus this morning. Why? Because he knows what he's doing. This is in John's account. They received Jesus into the boat, and immediately it says they ended up where they needed to go. The only time we hear Jesus talk about bad weather is the Sermon on the Mount. He talks about two builders, one who built their house on the sand and one who built their house on the rock. See, both houses were identical, but he said this, as the rain fell and the floods came and the wind blew, only one house, it says, remained standing. He compared the rock to those who heard his message and responded. And the sand? to those who heard his message and didn't do anything about it. See, we can sit here Sunday in, Sunday out and agree that Jesus is the only way, that Jesus is the only life, that Jesus is the only truth. But do you believe that? Do you believe Jesus is the only way? That he is the only truth and that he is the only Life. This is why Pastor Steve gives the gospel message every single week that Jesus lived the life that I should have lived and died the death that I should have died. Jesus paid for all my sins, past, present, and future. How do I know this? Because he's alive. If he was still in the ground, I'd still be dead in my sins. That's what Paul says. We hear this message all the time, but do you believe that Jesus came for you? I believe that. I believe he came for me. Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus died for you? Not the person next to you, for you. And do you believe that Jesus rose again for you? And if you put your faith in anything today, you can put your faith in, faith in that. That all of your sins have been fully and freely paid for. Ain't no bigger storm than that one. And gosh, Jesus took care of it. And he will get you through the rest. Amen? Um, worship team, let's do this. Actually, before we start, um, 
before we start, let's pray. Father, we trust you this morning with our lives. We ask you to help us. Help us to follow you wholeheartedly without reservations here. To trust you in the midst of every storm, every trial. And if you haven't given your life to Jesus, Romans says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your hearts. In your heart, that's the most important thing, that you believe in your heart that Jesus died for your sins. That you believe he rose. Again, that's what saves you, not the prayer itself. It's by, what, it's by faith in what Jesus did, and I'll guide you through it. And so if that's you, today's the day. Lord Jesus, thank you for who you are. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I believe you died and rose again for me. I don't just ask you to come into my heart. I ask you for a new one. One that loves you and wants to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.